This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. What a friend we have in This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. We are brought to you with classic football shirts currently selling classic and clearance lines with products from £5 upwards, so there's something for everyone. There's shops in Manchester and London. You can order online and listen to the show can get a discount with TOTD10. Well, hmm, I'm Wayne Barton, your host, and joined as always by... Um, Man United legend Paul Parker. How are you doing, Paul? I'm fine, thank you, Wayne. Good. Well, you seem more sprightly than what I am. I am mm. absolutely. Um, I'm good. I'm good. I'm dejected. Um, I don't really know. Um, I, I guess the following hour or whatever is going to help me articulate what I'm feeling a, a, a lot more than what I can in an introduction anyway but um, yeah um, obviously we're going to be talking about Spurs and and everything that happened yesterday um, you thought Brighton, Brighton was eventful last week <laughs> and then we went and won there again in the League Cup uh, but we're not going to be talking about that today because look it's just you've got to start where you've got to start haven't you and yes United won they through to face Everton but today is all about um, United's defeat to Spurs well, you know, United have lost by this scoreline before. You know, they've shipped tw- six goals twice in the Premier League era and five on a few occasions as well. On those occasions, and most of them were under Sir Alex, you understood that it was a blip. It was an off day. 
but it wasn't a blip or an off day yesterday, was it? No, it wasn't. And one of the things I'll say now is that <clears throat> we, d we don't want to prolong this agony and keep going on. And, you know, it needs to be said and then it needs to be over and done with. Otherwise, you can go on and on and on. And there isn't going to be an answer until the next ball is kicked and maybe the ball after that and after that. But all you can do really is talk about what you saw in front of you. And, and to be perfectly honest, since um, 2013, there has been some seriously bad moments, some really, really bad moments. There has been a lot of bad football, you know, some really terrible football. Mm. We've seen some managers have thrown up in the way they want to do things. But I think yesterday, I think it's the first time I've actually looked at a team and thought to myself, for 10 players out there, there wasn't, for the 10 players, I'm not including the goalkeeper, by the way, yeah. because he, he kept it to six. Mm -hmm. He kept it to six without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but it was maybe every single player, and this old saying, didn't deserve to be in that jersey. Mm -hmm. Every single one of them did not deserve to be out there or they don't deserve to play again. The problem is, if you try and bring another 10 players in, their, their standards just isn't good enough and that sums up the club at this moment in time. The standards are poor off the field and they're even poorer on the field. And it's been that moment and Ollie's had a good run, he hit a patch, got over it, done great, got, to the, got, got Manchester United to where everyone wanted them to be and didn't really get the maybe the, the thank you he expected. He's a, everything's been a fight. This whole time been going on since football start since um, the Premier League started. Everyone's talked about transfer deadline day. Mm. Everyone's talked about signing Sancho. And as I saw, as someone said in, a, in one a tweet I saw today, I'm trying to think what his name was. It was was it James Stewart? I think his name was name is I should say he's come and said virtually words to the effect of everyone's talking about Sancho or Dembele given given the def the way the defence is it'd be like piss you know it'd be like pissing on a fire yeah no you know? exactly yeah, um, yeah. That, 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 that is that's, that's what he's saying and yeah. all these people out there keep throwing in I kept seeing Sancho and I kept seeing our defence something was thrown at me yesterday when I was working yesterday doing the game and if right, the stat about United, about the goals they conceded, they're only like, I mean, seconds, Liverpool only scored, only conceded so many more goals. But I said, but Liverpool conceded a lot of their goals after lockdown. Yeah. You know, when things were almost done for them and said, and they took their foot off the gas wrongly, right, you know, but it wasn't right, but, you know, they've done that and that's human nature. United, and it isn't about the goals they can see, it's about the amount of opportunities they give to other teams through their own fault. As we saw yesterday, playing out from the back when you're in distress, you've just, you've just lost a man and you're conceding goals and all of a sudden you decide to play out from the back with players who can't really play out the back. Why do you do that? You're Manchester United, you expect to be elite, but you're trying to do something that the players are not good enough. Why do all these teams try and do something that they're not really good at? We saw Man City do it, so what is it now? So playing out from the back is a new tapered trousers. Mm. You know, it's absolutely madness that you go and do so. If you don't, if you don't look good in tapered trousers, I'll tell you what, you don't wear tapered trousers, you slightly flare them. 
But Manchester United are trying to play at the back with players who can't do it well enough over a consistent period of time during a game of football. Man City don't get it right every single time, but they've got players who are more adapt to it, yeah. more adapt to it than what Manchester United players are. So there is a massive problem. And go on, Wayne. You was going to say something, and I butted in. No, no, it's. You're right to, to um, go into that and obviously we're going to, I think the purpose of this podcast, first of all we'll talk about the game, a little bit about Oli, um, talk about the players that um, we're looking at bringing in and, and I wanted to go through well, basically forensic autopsy of that performance yesterday and go through the players one, one by one. Um, but you mentioned um, something there um and we've talked about it a couple of times on this podcast, you know, a new addition to the, the worst days since Fergie retired library. And it's definitely up there. I mean, that the first half, I think the defending for the first two goals, the first one in particular is, I don't think I've ever seen United defend that badly for a goal. Honestly, I don't. I, I saw Pog Brady back. I saw by edit up and then somewhere else and then Maguire's getting involved where he doesn't need to get involved then Shaw's in front of Maguire getting involved where he doesn't need to get involved it's anyway that that was the first um, and it was as, as horrendous as, as I said I don't think the red card affected the result Oli you know it was a wrong decision I think Lamella well if it was the wrong if it was the right decision Lamella should have gone as well um Ole said we were in the game. We weren't in the game. We were on the ropes then. We we were going to concede again anyway. The second half, it was like sending Apollo Creed back out for the second round against Drago, wasn't it? It was just absolutely getting pummeled. Yeah, um, and that was sent, sending him out after he died. Yeah. That's how bad it was. But, but do you know as well, it's been a pro Ole podcast. I think... You know, we we've both talked about him, and we've both said we wanted him to succeed and everything like that. His management style has been to trust in the players to do their own thing, to trust that they can play. To sort of say, you've got the ability to play for Manchester United. That's why you're here. Go out and prove that. Ironically, when I actually think it's looking like what I said when we played Palace a couple of weeks ago. You know, the players seem to respond better to tactical instructions in a counter-attacking game, and it's at the point where. Now there's no opponent. We can't. We have to do that against every opponent, even at home. The players aren't good enough. He hasn't had the backing that he needs. It's only so long you, you can expect someone learning on the job to do positive things without that support. And you know, I love Ollie, despite some concerns about what he says. Largely, he says the right things. Um, that doubt has always been there about whether or not the job's too big for him. I'm never going to turn on him and say, sack the manager. I was that way with Van Gaal and Mourinho. People can go back and check if they want. I've never sort of said, sack the manager. But I do think there comes a point where you think, mm, all right, I think this is a tipping point. This is the, the moment where it's it's not going to go well. And that point for Louis Van Gaal was at the Christmas and we kept him on for another few months um, the point with Mourinho was at the transfer window probably a little bit before that as well yesterday for me Paul I think was the day I felt okay I see what he tried to do he's tried to persevere with the players and he thinks that that's the way to go and it has had its benefits but now those players aren't good enough I understand it's the hand that he's dealt but you have to also come up with plans to compensate for your flaws 
and he doesn't seem to be doing that at the moment. Um, like I say, I'm not. I'm certainly not going to be saying to you. Do you think we should sack Ole? But do you think the job is proving to be a bit too big for him, considering everything that um, the circumstances in? Well, of course, the job's too big for him. He was never geared for it. He wasn't. Re- he wasn't really ready to go and take that on because his CV told you that, told everyone that. It didn't suggest it. It actually was there in black and white. It wasn't prepared for that job. Mm. But he suited. Can, can I say suited the narrative? Mm. Was that right of Manchester? What the way it was, the what what the owners were looking for, what they wanted. In that in that sense, after after Mourinho, they they got in someone who was going to be able to work to what they want and you know and there's only so he mostly wants but he knows that he can only go so far in asking then he has to kind of stop Jose Mourinho didn't Jose Mourinho his CV says that generally prior to everything he got what he wanted because of he earned the right because of what he'd won Oli hasn't got that so I'm, I'm best here trying to think I know all the reasons why they shouldn't and I believe I do that they shouldn't and can't get rid of him because one of the things is if they go again everyone's talking now Pochettini Pochettino and the old um, Juve manager they're talking about him mm. I, I, I like Pochettino I like I mean I like the way Spurs played I like what he achieved with Spurs playing at Wembley for so long gaining Champions League on two occasions playing that brilliant what he's done getting to a Champions League final against the odds with you know he's done absolutely brilliant the problem is that you know there's a song out there I don't know who sung it but if he go the song is like got the words of let's go round again because <laughs> that, that's what will happen yeah. Every, and then give it 12 months 18 months whatever it's going to be the same situation where it doesn't matter how big the manager is surely if, if, if say for Pochettino or the I can't remember the name of the um, Allegri you, yeah if, they, if he comes in and given everything that's been said about Allegri about all the way he, the way he is surely he's not going to walk into he's not going to go and tread into a minefield is he mm. knowing you know knowing himself he's going to have a lovely path to start with then all of a sudden he's going to hit you know he's going to hit a few um a few kind of like things underground which are going to cause a problem. He doesn't want everything on the back page all the time. I didn't want to see that, all this going on. Play, coming up to an, a game, a big game, Manchester United, as I said in the radio, it was always one of those games that Sir Alex always expected to win. He hated losing to London teams. He hated losing more so London teams at Old Trafford. But Spurs are one of those games. It's a glamour fixture. Mm. But United always won. Generally, always won. If Tottenham won, they had to work really hard for it, and we talk about a good game. But that was that just said to me that those days are gone. They've been taken away from us by fact of people at the top. This current think climate we're in at this moment in time. Football is really gone at the moment. Football is dying a slow death at this moment in time. When you see Manchester, what happened to Manchester United? Then you see what happened to Liverpool. You've seen what West Ham have achieved over two games. You're saying to yourself, football is not right at this moment in time. No disrespect to Tottenham, no disrespect to Aston Villa for what they've got and done. But football at the moment, for the players, is tough. There's, a lot of the players are struggling to get through games now. That does, that's, and that's no excuse for those players yesterday. No excuse at all. Now, you said about trying to work for, you know, look at how things happen, happened yesterday. I'm going, I'm going route one, I'm going, 
I'm first of all saying Luke Shaw. Luke yeah. Shaw, and there's young, there's young people out there, but I'm going to call Luke Shaw David McCallum. David McCallum, if anyone doesn't know, was the original Invisible Man in a series that I think ran in the <laughs> 70s and that like that. He, he used to take off his clothes and he was invisible. Luke Shaw does that. Every time the ball went to the left and Tottenham were counter-attacking, where was Luke Shaw? Luke Shaw was trying on um, Harry Maguire's shorts. It was unbelievable, wasn't it? Was in, I'm looking for, what are you doing so tucked in? What is it? Has he got a burger that he's trying to give to you or something? But Were you hungry? Why have you, why have you gone in now? It, not only that, he wasn't... He was in front of him. Yeah. Most of the time. It was unbelievable. Is it, and that was, that was awful on that point. Let's, let's, look, let's talk about the other person, Harry Maguire. Mm. I've been saying it for ages and ages and ages. I said it on the, the moment it was talked about. I'm telling myself... Manchester United won't sign Harry Maguire. He is not a Manchester United player. His body shape, the way he runs. Everyone keeps telling me that he's good on the ball. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, he just runs with it. He yeah. just runs with it. And if, he, if he's put under pressure on his left side, and he plays left centre half, why? Because he doesn't use his left foot. He can't, he's unbalanced. And yet, so Manchester United go and pay 80 million. Why? Why they go and do that? What was it? Was it a marketing tool? Because what they've gone and bought is an average centre-half. An average. If they was going to go and spend any money, they could have gone and spent £30 million on Lewis Dunk at Brighton, yeah. who, is a, who is a better centre-half than Harry, Harry Maguire. He's got more presence. And you watch him when he plays. He actually, in a way, leads a team. He leads by example. At the moment in time, Harry Maguire... I don't know what he could lead. He couldn't lead a brass band. He'll, he'll send them up a cul-de-sac. He doesn't, no one speaks in the back line. They don't, no, there's no communicators. Look how many times they get. Harry Maguire got caught in forward positions. And you, you look at the... Well, just talk about it. The, um, the free kick. The second goal. Yeah. Harry Maguire goes up behind Harry Kane. They know each other from the England squad. He knows Harry, McQuite, Harry, Harry Kane. If you touch him, he's going to throw himself to the floor. And it's exactly, he exaggerated the touch. But I'll tell you what you don't do in that position near the halfway line. You don't bother touching him because Harry, Harry was running. He was running to the um, bench. He was yeah. running. He was going nowhere. Yeah. So what you do is you usher him that way. You're waiting for someone to step in and you step back. Yeah. Steve Bruce doesn't chase in there because Steve Bruce would use, would use a little bit of logic and go, if I go in there... And then all of a sudden, he knocks it back and it, and it goes behind my head. I can't do my job. Mm-hmm. So, Steve, so Steve will step away and he'll leave it for a midfield player or even his right back to do that job of making sure Harry, Harry Kane can't turn. No, but not our, our, um, not the 80 million centre-half who is somehow made captain of Manchester United. He gives away a foul. And then he wants to say something about the foul. Oh, and lo and behold, Harry, Harry Kane sets passes. And what's he doing? Standing on the ball, not even looking at the ball. He wasn't even looking. And then the ball goes through into a massive gap in behind. And when you're looking, when you're looking for it, Luke Shaw is out wide. Yeah. Lo and behold, he's out wide, but he's out wide at the wrong time when, he's, when it actually needed him to be in the middle, <laughs> across, because Harry Maguire's come out of a position and squeeze in. He's out wide. Yeah. So, so doesn't that tell you a problem that Luke Shaw doesn't sense danger? He's not a defender. Yeah. 
Well, he, does, he, has, he has all those lapses. And let me just say, just quickly, about Luke Shaw, because I'm just going to finish with, with him, is when he got, when that foul he'd done in that second half, I saw the little picture of Ollie's reaction after he'd done that foul, that clinical foul, the referee should have sent him off. Yeah, yeah. Because that was so, so dangerous what he's done. It seems quite, it wasn't a trip, it wasn't a clip, it was a left-footed kick. It was a swipe, and that's how he played. That, that says it all. Ollie's reaction to that tells you exactly what he thinks about Luke Shaw. Exactly. And that, that for me, that summed it up, his whole reaction of what he went and done, because I'm looking there, and I think, as soon as I, I saw that, and I couldn't believe, I said, even if the referee may see that as just what it was, and it's just a yellow car because because there's so many people behind the ball, the referee should take it upon himself and say, I'll face my employers on Monday and I'll say the reason why I've done that and should have just sent him off. Hmm. Sent him off. Yeah. Disgraceful. It was, it was, and the performance was, I mean, I, I, I'll, the attitude and stuff like that, you know, like the fouls like that, I, I, I agree. And those terms that you use, and, and Gary Neville used a few in commentary yesterday, you know, like pathetic and spineless, they are strong enough. I've seen a few people sort of saying, oh, Maguire not coming out and, and talking after the game was disgraceful and, and he wasn't fit to wear the armband. I think I'm, I think he's not the right man to be the captain and he was disappointed he didn't come out. I just think sometimes when you're saying what is a disgrace and what isn't a disgrace, I think you've got the line right where you're saying what he did. In, basically, he, he knew he would have expected to be sent off for that mm. so he knew what he was doing and in that case he knew also that Ollie had sort of said lose 6-1 don't lose 7-1 he's telling them to protect that's how bad he got at United at half time he, t- he was telling them to protect a 4-1 defeat that's what he was doing and Luke Shaw immediately in the second half switches off immediately immediately and they score the right back yeah. scores so now Shaw alright he's not good enough defensively and he's not good enough offensively. He's 25. That's That should be it for him. That should be it from yesterday. Um, Maguire, you've mentioned him earlier. Um, yes, for a year. It's been, he started He started well. And then it's, his form's a little bit concerning. Then it's well, like, that, why so, is he being... Sorry, why? But he's, he's meant to be the focal point because he's got the armband. Yeah, yeah. I don't know him as a focal point. And I'm turning around and I'm saying... I wouldn't let I wouldn't let Chris Smalling go. I've been saying it from the moment ago. Chris Smalling deserves the opportunity because Baye is not good enough. All these people want him back. He is not good enough, Baye, to play regularly for Manchester United. Can, too many mistakes. Too many. He, he falls asleep. He's not right. Chris Smalling. He was captain for a while under Van Gaal. He yeah, was captain, yeah, and when yeah. Marina came in, and he had more presence than what um, Maguire's yeah. got. I, but he didn't cost eight million pound though, and yeah. and he got persecuted. I said two weeks yeah. ago, Gareth Southgate killed his career yeah. in this country by his statement. That that kind of statement, which an England manager should never ever say about a player like that. Turn around, doesn't doesn't have to explain to people why he's leaving a player out in that degree. He's just said he's made a decision not to do it. But to come out and said what he said, he absolutely, I think, mentally affected Chris Smalling. Chris Smalling yeah. would have been... Everyone knows, Chris. no one questioned his attitude. And when he played, he would put his heart and soul into everything. Yes, he made mistakes because he was always in the mix. So if you're in the mix, you're going to make mistakes. If you stay out of the mix, a bit like Harry Maguire does... 
You don't people go, oh, he's faultless, didn't do anything because he's not in the mix. This sums up Harry Maguire, by the way. We've got a player who took an elbow in the face. He makes the fatal mistake of allowing it to affect him, and he does a slap. It was a, it was a put me handbag first down, yeah. put it handbag down, little slap round the face. The player goes down. The referee comes across, and Harry Maguire is standing 10, 12 feet away. Why wasn't Harry Maguire going up to the a referee and say, referee, I would like you to look at the monitor. Yeah. I want you to look at the monitor. Why wasn't VAR telling the referee to do that? Make your own mind up. Because you saw a player push someone's face. Did you ask yourself, because as a parent, if someone comes and tells me about something and my kid's gone and punched somebody, I'd yeah. like, my first question is, why did you do it? So he needs to look and why he done it. But Harry Maguire is not there to tell him because he has to talk to a captain. Harry Maguire pushes all the other players away and then he gets the referee on his own, maybe with the opposing captain, and they talk about it. And they say, I need you to look at that monitor. That's what he's there for. And he could have done that, but he doesn't. He stands there, hands on his hip, and he watched it. For me, that set a precedent of exactly how he played the game. Does not want to be in a mix. He was never a captain when he came to Manchester United, and he got made captain. I don't know why, because it wasn't to sell shirts. It wasn't because he was a big name when he came there. So it doesn't make any sense at all. It, it was shameful what he's gone and done there. Yeah. What he'd done, and he allowed that, and he allowed one of his players to go off the pitch, and he just went, oh, well, there yeah. you are. I, what I think, I, my sort of guess on why he would have been named captain is the fact that he was always signing, and he was trying to build around him, he was trying to say, at that time, you know, he, he'd probably, he'd, he'd, his dipping form had already started then, because we, we had that sort of cycle where he's like, like I'm saying, he started well, then his form was a little bit concerning because the offside trap seemed to be a bit dodgy all the time. Then he was like, "Oh, well, if he need, he might need someone to compliment him." And then it was the start of this season when we started saying, "Oh, he actually needs someone to compensate for him." And now it's actually he's just as big a part of the issue. Um, and you're looking at it thinking he might have to be replaced, but but he's still in terms of the order of where you go because obviously Luke Shaw is going to be first. Because he's, it looks like he's already been replaced, but the second for me is the, the whoever partners Maguire, and that's you know it was Lindelof. He's he's obviously not good enough. Eric Bai yesterday, um, Paul. Now obviously we've we've talked about Bai before, and the, the the raw talent is there, I guess. But you roll your dice with Eric Bai, don't you? And and yes, he's hit and miss. I never quite thought his miss was this bad. I think I don't want to get on anyone's back about it, but that's the worst. It might be the worst performance I've ever seen of any United defender. It was so bad, and wow. and, and, and I know Maguire wasn't he wasn't good, and and I'm saying I wouldn't argue anyone saying oh Maguire was better than by, but from what I saw, especially that's so we saw it was it Chelsea last season when he came on just after half time yeah. and and you saw oh my god what's happening He's, and he needed 15 minutes to get into the game it was like that yesterday but we were already we'd lost by that by the time that he got well and he never got settled but it was it was bad Paul um, and I don't like to I don't like to sort of like throw I'm, I'm not one to throw a player under the bus but that's as bad as I've seen yeah, I mean that was that was seriously bad. But um, let's let's look at another side of it. We talked about Lindelof. We questioned Lindelof. I have definitely. I've questioned Bay. But I'll tell you what. 
Is it the fact of it might be Maguire's the one that maybe needs to switch? Mm. He might be the one that might need taken out. He's the yeah, one. He yeah. might be the one. Because I'm looking, that defence drops deeper and deeper. It never gets close to anybody. I'm seeing all that. I'm, I'm seeing a left-sided centre-half in Maguire. Why is he allowing Luke? How does Luke Shaw end up in front of him when we when, when they concede the first goal? How is it? And he's trying to... And he's tackling Luke Shaw. How does Luke Shaw get in front of him in the first place? I really don't know. Why is Luke Shaw always tucked in? Because at one point, when I um, conceded a goal and I lost, can't remember the goal, Harry Maguire gets the ball kicked, he goes through, he gets passed through his legs into the box. That's the one um, Sun, um, Sun um, yeah. scored at the near post. Yeah. Harry Maguire's run out into that left channel area. Now, I'll tell you what, and I keep saying this, I say it a fa- I've said it a thousand times, Steve Bruce never ran outside of that box unless he seriously had to. Yeah. Now, if I'd have gone and done a job for him, he would have gone and done it. But he didn't want to go out there because he's worried about when the ball comes in and go into an area which he wants to defend and which was his. So he wouldn't go out there. And if he went out there, he would have committed some kind of foul to stop something going out there. He would have done yeah. something. Yeah. He would have blocked somebody. He had that about him, Bruce. He, he, he would have blocked. He would have done something and put, fallen over, pulled a face, smiled, and his cheeky smile would have got him away with it. Maguire's trudged over there just about got there and he gets the ball put through his legs put through his legs he got done in the byline and they are in lockdown by somebody I can't what game was it the game at Old Trafford um, down at K-Stand um, Palace yeah was it Palace he got done in the byline he got done an incredible bit of skill right in the league and they went and scored I tried to, it might um, be Southampton he was Southampton. Yeah, Southampton's yeah. first goal. Yeah, you're right. It was Southampton. So he got done there. Then he's on, and he gets the ball put through. So, oh, I've got here. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I'll get there. I'm going to get my body lower, and I'm going to close him down and make it hard. I'm going to make get his head down so I can maybe snap around and hold up play. He doesn't. I'm happy to get here, and I'll just stand up straight because I'm six foot four, and I let him play it through my legs. So, so, where would, so why isn't Luke Shaw making that run? I made those runs to Steve Bruce. I'm the one who's chasing that. I'd run past Brucey because I wanted Brucey protecting that goal because I knew that he would give his heart and soul. I wouldn't let him come out the middle unless he had to. Why wasn't Luke Shaw taking that on and saying, I'm going to do it? No, Luke Shaw was happy, stay in the box. It meant he didn't have to run. And he's willing to accept that as a captain. I don't see him having a go at anybody. I don't ever see him getting flustered and dragging people about, which I expected to see yesterday. That back four should never have ever been allowed. After the sending off, Tottenham to ever get in behind them. It should have been their first fall. If we can't squeeze up when the ball's, when the ball's not being pressed, we're going to drop off because we can't allow Spurs to run in behind. Harry Kane's son... All of them, Lamella, wanted to run in behind. So you stop that by dropping off and saying, if you're going to pull it in behind us, it's going to run out of play or it's going to go straight to David De Gea. They don't. They just sit high. They're all in different areas. Of, you know, they, they weren't a good line. It was shambolic what I was watching. And the game hasn't changed that much from my time to know that you hold a line when the, you hold a line when the ball's being squeezed if it's not being squeezed you drop off especially when you've got no pace this must be the slowest back four I've ever seen at Manchester United in a long long time and I know pace isn't everything but pace affects people's minds Wayne so they'd be cautious of where they knock the ball because they know someone's got pace on that left hand side of that defence there is no pace you'll yeah. get more pace in the kindergarten 
Yeah, they they did it numerous times, um, hmm. and one of the things that concerned me was um, we'll get onto the midfield in a minute, but it did concern me. And this is this is probably because it was Mourinho, but um, you'll see it with other managers now that he's done it because Mourinho knew Matic and he knew Shaw. He knew that you could exploit that area. Yeah, he knew. So so he did. And they looked every time on that left hand side. It looked like they were going to score, and, and they yeah. nearly did every single time. But we'll get onto the midfield in a second. Um, summarizing, summarizing on the defence, um, Wambasaka not great. He's had a difficult start to the season. I, I'm not going to hold him out to dry for, for yesterday. I think that the problems all along that back line undermined him. Um, and, and you said earlier about De Gea not going to throw him under the bus. Mm. But I want to go through the players quickly just to sort of yeah. say um, what do we do moving forward? Is that player going to be? Let's imagine, if you will, the. It doesn't have to be a Manchester United team that's winning the league, but a Manchester United side that is challenging for the title within three years, if that's possible. Is first of all, I'll just go through the defence and, and give you the chance to say yes or no to it. Is De Gea in that team? Yes. Is Juan Bissaka in that team? Maybe. And I would say it's a big fat no for the other three. No. No chance, not yeah, a chance. Yeah. You don't, you don't achieve anything with a, with those with those others yeah. in in the defence. You don't achieve it. They don't show anything. Wan, at least Wan Bissaka is having a go. Is he re, is he really of everything you see of a modern day fullback at this moment in time? No, he's not. When you look at other fullbacks, he's not in that way. But the one thing is, first, he's a good good defender. Mm. A very good defender. So that's why I'm always going to back him as much as I can. Can Manchester United be better in that right-back position if they were going to be challenging for Champions League and sitting there wanting, wanting to be um, Premier League champions? Yes, they could do better and get someone a more attack-minded. But if you want someone who's going to defend and is going to give everything and keep that right side as tight as possible... It's going to be Juan Pesaka. Yeah, and if you've got a good balance on the left, like if you've got good delivery coming from the left, then this is an important point. I was having this conversation with someone on Twitter the other day because was Juan Pesaka was getting a little bit of stick. And I was saying, well, at least what we saw in the last season, yes, there were times where you can definitely see that he needed to improve, but you could also see that he was trying to improve and you could see that his crosses were getting better and there was a, a spit. I mean, someone pointed out, oh, he only had four or five assists. And I'm like, that's actually pretty good for a right fullback. That's a pretty good return. If the rest of the team are doing their job, what he's just done is a bonus. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, all this kind of stat stuff really gets on my nerves. Why do people use that to judge someone's performances? Judge him on his defending. Yeah. Look at look at what he's got. Like, i.e., he's got a number two on the back, but now he's got stupid numbers. Now, but he's yeah. he's a number. Two. So when I tell someone a number two, they know exactly what he is. Like like a number eight or a number seven. We know he's a number two. So judge him on what he's meant to be first and foremost, as the book's written. He's meant to be a defender. And he's doing that job as defender. Doesn't miss a tackle. No one really exploits that area. He does really well when he is so game. It's unbelievable. And he does that. Stop throwing up these assists because everyone's throwing it up because of what um, Terence Trent Derby's doing at Liverpool. Yeah. That's all they're throwing it up. 
Did you see? Did you see his defending yesterday? <laughs> all, yeah, yeah. All he's bothered about is he, all he's bothered about is his Jack Grealish socks now. And look at me. I'm how many cross it? How many how many assists did he get yesterday when he's put under pressure? Yeah. yeah. Not not many. So I tell you what, Wan Bissaka is under pressure playing for Man United, and he does a good job. I hate all this stat stuff. We're living in a co- at the moment. This country is is affected by stats because people are using stats to suit their narrative. And when I say that, people, I mean this government are using stats to suit their narrative of how they want to keep things going and run at this moment in time. Mm. And it's come from football, and that's what people do. If you're judged on, on brought and sold off of stats, I'll tell you what, get rid of everybody, get rid of all the um, agents, or sorry, or get, sorry, get rid of all the scouts, and let's do it by FIFA. Yeah. Do it that way, and that will save a load of money and time, and the bonuses for everyone else out there that you can actually do it yourself from home, and you can send a letter into the Manchester to the manager of Manchester United, to the chief executive as well, and tell him all about it. But you know, or you can do it properly. You can go and sit and watch a player week in, week out, live, and look what he contributes as a player, other than when he when he hasn't got the ball. What does he do when he hasn't got a ball? Have a look at that. That because that stat will never come up. Because you have to go and watch a player to understand that. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I, I think yeah. the, the, and that's an impassioned defence on Juan Basaka there yeah. from, from the right back union. But you, yeah. you know, I, I agree with that, and it's good to have like we're talking about absolutely deconstructing this side, and you know, player by player at the moment. So as we're going through it, it's good to have sort of positive reinforcement for some of them. Um, you would say that for Matic as well. Um, Remember last, probably all of last year, we were talking, and I would always say this in terms of emergencies, wouldn't I? Say, well, well, this is all right, but it might be an emergency in two years. Like Lindelof, for example. I thought Mm. last year it wasn't an emergency. (laughs) Shows what I know. But um, the point was that it was sort of held together a little bit. So where the other areas that needed, you know, obviously we needed a right winger and we needed a left back. Um, That was the emergency. And, and I think at the time we needed creativity in midfield because Pogba was out and we were having um, McTominay and Fred were treading water in there. But Matic, um, we spoke last season about those emergencies. He's now 32. No one else has got the defensive discipline that he's got in that role. Scott McTominay doesn't have it as much as he's got the passion for it. Fred doesn't have that discipline. You would like to think that he could be trained into that, but he, he just doesn't seem to have it. But even with Matic in the side, with that defensive discipline, we saw yesterday how it can be exposed because of what's behind him, because of his lack of pace. And if Mourinho's mm. done that, it can be done with other teams as well. Um, I'm not going to again. I don't want to dig him out for his performance because he was sort of lost at sea with with what was going on around him. But the point I'm making is the the point about in two or three years' time when we're going to try and win a title, let's say the rebuild starts now, today, is he in that side? He isn't, is he, really? No, no, he's not. But they've got no one better. If yeah. he had behind him better centre-halves who mm. could know when to squeeze and make that area small enough for him to work and get in there and block and yeah. maybe get the odd... And Nick, because he reads it very well, to nick the ball off of people's toe, it'll be fine. 
Yeah. But the problem is, haven't got the centre halves, haven't got the communicator, and, and he, he needs that from behind someone talking to him to let him know they're, t- they're squeezing, we're pushing up, we're pushing up. That allows him then, we're saying, and then he will go and squeeze himself to close down somebody because he knows they're in behind him. He's, if they decide to try and play around him, he knows he's got his the centre halves are there, other midfield players around to block those spaces to get the ball. At the moment, he's doing it on his own, and they're the first. Oh, he's too old. He's 32. He's too old. You know, and so no, the answer to I'm saying at this moment for United, if you if you look at if you're playing the longer game, no, he's not. At this moment in time, if you can sort of that middle of defence, yes, he can sit because there's no one in the club better than and it's gonna be no one unless they go out and spend that money to go and get someone. And that might mean it doesn't mean going around and paying 60, 78. You can find that player. You will find someone in the championship who can go and do that, who can do that job. Someone who may have been a centre-half at defence in certain ways, gone in there, quite quite good with the ball at their feet, wasn't really prepared to want discipline to... To be to be a centre half, but you put him in that cent- in that role there, and he does a great job. You can go and get them in the championship, and you can mould them to what you want. Those players can be are moulded into that kind of role. That's why that's why everyone loves Matic because he's because he's got that kind of he's learnt that and he's learnt the hard way of doing that job. And he's one of the best still in the Premier League. The problem is. He's playing in quite a poor team. Yeah, well, Calvin Phillips is a great example. He's, yeah, he? exactly right. I'm surprised that no one ever tried to go and get him and take him because he's somebody who could who could have gone and done it. But at the moment in time, if he's, if Man United went for him, I'd turn around and say, "Don't be so stupid. Why is he going to step away from Leeds mm. to come to Manchester United at this moment in time?" It wasn't like when Alan Smith or when Rio Ferdinand come to Manchester United. Believe me now, big difference between between the clubs at that time. But at the moment in time, you don't leave Leeds United with what they've got behind them. You don't leave that knowing that if things were to get better, on you know what you could achieve. It'd be absolutely for me. It'd be foolhardy of him to leave and walk away from everything like that. Mm. But he's he's the, he is the ideal example, Wayne. Yeah, no, he's that's he was the first one that came to mind as well. Yeah. But he's not going to be the only yeah. one. Like he said he said Ollie Watkins. Uh, I know he's not a midfielder, but he makes a step out of the championship and looks top class. Yeah, I, I've watched him play. I've, I've, I've done. I covered about last se- over the last season or so. I covered a few Brentford games. I didn't see him play at home because I don't like going to Brentford. It's a, their old ground was a hard hard place to go to go to that part of West London difficult so I always avoided going there but saw him playing away games good centre forward he's had a great upbringing um, um, country boy south, from the southwest of the country I think Newton Abbott I knew people a um, um, friend of mine his son played with him with Exeter school boys and stuff and they knew then he was going to be something and as soon as Villa signed him I said Villa's season will be better than what it was last season because they've actually now got a goal scorer yeah. They've got somebody who can score goals and he struggled and it bothers him when he misses. You see, he gets upset. I mean, he scored three and he missed one at the end and you could see the frustration. They even mentioned it afterwards. They talked to him and, you know, and, and he was disappointed and, and I like that. But they've gone out and got a centre forward. Well, um, and lo and behold, Manchester United need a centre forward <laughs> and there's one sitting there. Go and get him. Oh, well, we can't go. And, what is the attitude? Well, we can't go and buy from the championship. That, that's disgusting. That's, that, you don't do that. We're Manchester United. Well, I'll tell you, well, at the moment in time, Manchester United, the way they're conducting themselves, they could they could be anything at this moment in time, but they're not portraying what they're supposed to be. Was, but, 
Well, it was it, perfect. It reminds me of when we came up from. I say it reminds me. I wasn't alive, but um, there's a really good um, character, like a study between this and the team that came back up from the second division. Um, mm. They both Steve Coppel, Gordon Hill and Stuart Pearson, all from the lower leagues. Yeah. Do you know? And they, they were three of the most loved players in that team. It's just a, like, yeah, yeah, he's a bit snobbish. And especially in, in this environment where they keep saying, oh, the pandemic and blah, 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 and it's all 109 million on Sancho or nothing. Um, anyway, we'll get to signings in a minute. Um, but yeah, those are two great examples of um, bargains that can be found at that level. Um or relative bargains, I should say. Um, we've talked about the defence and sort of the defensive midfield, Paul, and I think that's pretty much it. We'll talk about the right side of attack, and I know that that is a pressing emergency, but yes, I'm just a fan, what do I know? But I've always believed that the entire team is undermined if you don't have a strong defence. If you've got a strong defence that knows its shape, it's got a leader in there, a good organiser, and they, they can do the job somewhat capably then you've got a foundation to build upon and we haven't had that for four five seven years I haven't, I haven't had it I haven't had it since Sir Alex retired yeah all the great Manchester United t- teams of recent years people just straight away name the back four yeah name the goalkeeper they go to back four they know and the old adage is you build a team from the back and it's still the same today as it was maybe in the 1930s or whatever. Still the same. You've got to have that reassurance. Mm. Exactly. So um, I'm glad that we're on the same page with that because Mm. I'm like, yeah, sometimes I think I'm a little bit old-fashioned with the way that I look at it. But I think, yeah, obviously, obviously you look at a team like yesterday and you look at the performances (laughs) over the last few years and say, yes, they're undermined by... The unsure defence and the inconsistency in there, no matter who's played, and I, I you know, we'll talk about the defence uh, with the new signings in a moment. But um, we need significant uh, reconstruction back there, attacking wise. Then it's a little bit difficult to assess because if you've got that stronger platform for them to play well, and the teams are a bit, you know, they're not not running through at will, then. It's like a double-edged sword. Do they protect their defence a little bit more? They're a little bit more cagey and protecting against our attackers. I wouldn't think so. I think it offers a good platform for our attackers to do well, um, especially if you've got full-backs who are comfortable on the ball, or at least one on that left-hand side to get that balance right so that they can move across into a three. You know, like a full-back's natural position. Like Wan-Bissaka can cover as long as um, whoever's playing the left-back is uh, bombing on. Um... But in terms of how it affects the midfield in a tight poll, I'm a little bit... Because I look at these some of the players, I'm going to reel off the names. You've got Pogba, Martial and Rashford, all of whom are sort of approaching an age where... I mean, Martial, is he 24, 25? Pogba, definitely older than that. Players who you can't... We've said it before on this podcast that you, when you're investing in them in the future, you're looking at the last three years and saying that's what you can expect for the next three years. Rashford, maybe not. Maybe he's taking improvement seriously. You can see that he's at least trying, if, if he's still inconsistent in there. Mason Greenwood, obviously, is a different kind of example. You feel a little bit sorry for him um, struggling in the way that he is because of what's around him. And Bruno, we know for as good as he is, he can also disappear completely from games um, 
Where do you stand on that? Do you think it's a case of just sorting out that defence and seeing how good they, they can be? Because I'm going to go through them in a moment uh, with you, Paul, individually and do that same thing as we did mm. with the defence. Are they going to be here in th- three years to build a team around? But do you, do you think that as a collective, as long as we get that defence sorted, that they can be top class? No. Okay. No. <laughs> right, so we'll go through them individually then. Obviously, Paul Pogba... Um, it can be casual in any game. It doesn't matter who it is. Um, if United are going to challenge for a title in two years, two or three years, is Paul Pogba going to be part of that midfield? Do they need him to be part of that midfield? I don't think so now. I've been, I've stood with him. I've stood with him all, all the way. He was being treated by Mourinho and everything went with it. And I have to say, no, he hasn't given enough back. And I know he plays in that style, but now... No, it grates for me. I watch him and I watch us. I look at the penalty. I look at when he gave the ball. I'm looking, I'm watching him grinning all the time. And yesterday, and I'm kind of going, no, no, I, I really don't think, really don't think. The only way you're going to get anything from him, and this is the last throw of the dice with him, you have to, in my opinion, I said this from day one, to get the best out of him, he has to go as close to the centre, play as close to the centre forward as possible. Mm. That's the, that's the easiest way. Put him in the put him in the sharp zone when it needs quicker feet, when he can touch little things around, which he's good at. Put him in there. But they don't. They keep allowing him to go, and he gets caught in possession. Put him in the sharp end of it. Put him in that role in in there to go and play in there. And he, he, you know that's what he was doing for Juve. Hmm. That's what he done for Juve. That's what he was doing for France. Put him in there and see if you can get the best of him from what he done previous for his um, for his previous club and what he's done for his country in that area. You don't really want him defensive wise. You want him to track to a certain area. But more than anything, you think when that ball goes into that final third, I want you to be joining in with the centre forward, with the wide right and the wide left. I want you doing that. Bruno's got that much energy and that much willingness to go box to box. He will just join him when he, when he can. But that's his, that's his position. That's what you want. That's the only way I would say keep him. And then if you can get something from him, it's gonna, it'll be good. If, if you're not getting anything from him, then you shift him on. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's the only way for me now. And I think everyone now, after yesterday, sort of thing, I think everyone now is at, now not, not interested. But I'm saying put him where... I think he should be. And it's been said quite a few times, and I said it a long time ago. Just get him up there. Put him in his best position. But now a lot, a few people are saying it. Just get him in there. They're either saying get him out or put him in there. They're the only two things that people are saying now. Yeah, he can't play deep anymore. It's, no, he can't. It's a liability. He's not, he is a liability when he's deep. Totally. I, I, and let me clarify that I won't say it, it's a liability to play him there I don't yeah. I do say something, it might sound a little bit harsh to Paul but he's, if he's there he's going to he's that player you're not going to change him he's going to be casual on the ball so I'd rather, yeah. rather have him doing that in the final third than in our third um, Bruno and, and Greenwood I'm going to lump them in together Paul only because I presume that if we're we're going to be a little bit more generous with them and say yeah. that in two or three years Yes, you could envisage that they'll be part of a successful team if the other players are right. Oh, yes, with Bruno. Uh, Mason Greenwood still needs... I'm still not 100%. Yeah. I know, uh, when he scores a goal, 
he nicks a goal and he does something short back lift and he does things like he had a shot yesterday nearly caught and Lloris had to go down but he hit that early didn't couldn't see the goal but he's just took a gamble that's fine but he's not in the game enough no. totally wrong for him to have been called up by his country yeah. totally wrong totally naive we're doing that ridiculous because someone's playing what we're doing it yeah you know it's absolutely madness what's going but He'll definitely be with a club. Will he be a regular? I'm not really. Sh- I'm not really sure. Yeah. I, 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 I really. He's done good bits, but his other. He's. He just. He disappears. He's. He's not in the game enough. And when people, every time he did it yesterday, they, the camera panned in on Giggsy. Giggsy was at the game yesterday, and then the person's then thrown at Mason Greenwood. I've just turned around and said, if he can get to now fifty percent of Ryan Giggs of what he was at that age. If he gets to 50 percent, it'll be good. Yeah, yeah. At the moment, he's not 50% of what Ryan Giggs was at that age. United have not, and I've said to you this before, have not produced a player who has come through like that since Ryan Giggs. Yeah. In, yeah. in that area. Yeah. When you do, Paul Scholes is a different thing when we talk about Scholes in a class. But Ryan Giggs, when you're someone who explodes, Ryan Giggs at 17 coming and he was a man. Everything about him, you looked at him and his face says, I'm hungry. And he had the arrogance about him. Look at look at Mason Greenwood. He he could be a card player. Yeah. No no expression. You think so? Don't judge him by that. Look what he does. But I'm not getting that. Yeah. I'm I'm not getting that. So. But well, you, you could do if the players around him were better. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. Potentially. Yeah, you, yeah, we yeah. don't know. Yeah. We don't. We don't know. But yeah. He's he's a kind of yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm not really sure. But yes, he's young, born and bred. You think so? Yep. He's done enough to to say yeah. And his age helps as well, that it would definitely be around. Yeah, so um, the last two players from the sort of established starting mm. team are Martial and Rashford. Both of them divisive. Um, start with Rashford. Um, two or three years, can you imagine him being, the, I guess, the left winger for United, really? Um, he's very, very inconsistent. He's, he's just another one who you think you're getting there, then he gets that injury... And then he comes back because lockdown allowed him to get back to finish off and he still hasn't got any... Very inconsistent, not enough end product off him when he gets the ball. Not, there's not enough there. And you just wonder if United were going on to try and beat anything like they were to compete like they did under Sir Alex, you'd have to turn around and say that he wouldn't be a guaranteed starter. Yeah. Despite, despite his form, his consistency. It's, it's just, it, just isn't, it just isn't enough really, in my opinion. Martial, he's, he's not a centre-forward. Lovely little things he done for the penalty and in and around, but you don't get anything else from him. Mm. It's, it's a worry. and it, 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 Everyone wants to talk and everyone keeps using this, oh, they're better than, you know, they scored more goals so and so than the Liverpool. The Liverpool front three, two, I should say, Salah and Mane, not so much Firmino. Firmino is the kind of the one who passes it. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. not... But those two put the fear of God into people even yeah. when they haven't got the ball people are scared of where they're going to be yeah. I'm sitting watching that Villa game even, even when Villa was that many goals in front every time Salah got the ball in and around that box you could just see Villa was scared Yeah, and, and they've earned that right because of what they've gone and done and they've been consistent with it Martial is not consistent and then when he does lose it, it isn't going his way I'm not seeing that zest that angry side of him to turn and say oh sh- referee that should have been oh I'm disappointed that I've missed that I should have done I'm not seeing that like I saw it at Ollie Watkins when he missed I'm not seeing that in him he's another one where you can't read him you don't know what you're getting which sometimes is a great thing to have but when I look at him 
It's not because I don't know what he's feeling. And he's not a centre-forward. I've been saying for ages and ages, United need a centre-forward because Martial is not a centre-forward for 38 Premier League games and cup games and whatever. He's not. Not in a million years. But yet, they seem to have made their mind that that's the way they want to go and spend a load of money, which... As you mentioned earlier about a pandemic, that was—I mean—that's just a figment of everyone's imagination. That is because people are still spending money. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't—that doesn't come into it. Was a great thing to talk about, just to put the frighteners like people do on house prices and things like that. But really, it's not. It's just words being used, just to see if they can affect something to suit themselves to go in there and grab it on the cheap. Well, that's certainly not worked as far as um, United no. are concerned. But um, no. we'll talk about the transfers in a sec. Just to close off on these, um, so the jury would be out basically on Pogba, Martial, and Rashford, and he sort of like comes with the caveats, doesn't he, Paul? What we're saying is, if the defence is settled, if they played in a position, if Pogba's played in a position, well, what's more to his um, taste, I guess, um, to his suiting. Um, there's basically shifting pieces and variables that you've got to consider for those players to come good but on their own as it stands where they are mm. it's difficult to make an argument to say well, yes in three years time I can see United winning a title with those three players in the side It's and it's as simple as that so that's those three Matic <laughs> And three other defence, so that's seven Yeah, well, Matic, Matic is more about his age. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. But, yeah. but still, age is still a factor. Yeah. And, and the, the fact is that in two or three years' time... And I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong, if, if everything else... And, and we're talking the same thing for Pogba and Martial. If all the conditions are, are right, then they could do well. But too often we're talking about these external factors around the players to say oh yes all those players could do well it's like I've made that argument for Maguire haven't I I often do say oh well if he has a good left back at the side of him and a good right centre half at the side of him then maybe he'll be better and I guess that's what um, Oli will be hoping and the same thing for Rashford as well that you hope that with a capable left back that's not always going disappearing that that will I mean, I don't really see Marcus Rashford as a defensive left-side player anyway, but it's it plays a part. If you don't have anyone behind you, you're not getting the ball. So you need to be able to impact the game that way. Yeah, but you need... But, I mean, one thing, just on that one, communication is yeah, key. Yeah. It's the key in any industry, any business. If you talk to people, somewhere along, you're helping them. And no one talks. Maguire, I wasn't the best... I wasn't one of them, but I knew when to to let people know something. Because if I don't tell them, it's not going to help them. That's going to put me under pressure because I'm going to have to go and do a bit more, which I shouldn't be doing. That means I'm going to relinquish something that I shouldn't be relinquishing. And bang, you're in trouble. So you have to talk. If if Luke Shaw was to say something, maybe pull pull him Rashford back to fill to fill an area to stop a ball. Maybe people. No, it thinks of we have to get this right because Rashford's in that area and he'll nick it and counter-attack. And then Luke Shaw then can maybe go round more and co- and cover the lack of pace with Maguire. They can help each other up for their both of their lack of pace. That will help. It's called communication. Because I'll tell you what, if it was just about being quick to be a defender, I'll tell you what, there'd be some great centre-halves and full-backs we've had over the years play in, in English football. 
in English football who wouldn't have played because it isn't always quickness of mind is a lot quicker than quickness of feet as we know mm. so your mind's telling you sensing danger fill that hole and you don't have to go and stand directly in it but just be on the half to defend and to maybe to jump to counter-attack that's all it needs that's all it needs if, if Rashford isn't bright enough to come in there and he's not being dis- he's not disciplined enough to do it himself he needs to be told for, by Luke Shaw so Luke Shaw is helping himself he's been selfish by helping himself to get someone in now to protect his lack of pace mm. but he's not he's not even doing that properly so that tells you he's not thinking he's not in the right mind to be wearing a Manchester United shirt and he's very fortunate that Manchester United are quite poor at this moment so sorry yeah Luke Shaw is going to walk away with God knows how many games for Manchester United and if you can assess his time over Manchester United in the games he's played in and how he's played it's been poor. Yeah. No, it's been very poor. But people, you look at the games and you go, wow, you played that many games for United. But United were poor. Yeah. The, the other thing is, you and you mentioned this a little bit earlier, um, This, and you've always said it before, and it's been something that has sort of come into my um, vocabulary when I talk about football now, because you said it, and it just resonated with me. That man and a half philosophy mm. of you're doing something, and you've got to always be thinking about the players around you and, and their skill set. Um, and that would be all right if the players were doing their man job. So if they were doing their 100% instead of 150%, if they were at least doing their 100%, then you'd think, all right, well, I don't blame them too much. But I do think sometimes as well as much as I agree 100% with everything that you're saying I wonder then if then we're crossing over the line to the manager thinking oh well I've got to plan for you know Luke Shaw I've got to put him in the side because he's, we don't have a good alternative so I've got to compensate for his bad positioning and his lack of pace and the fact that he can't contribute in attack and I don't think that the manager's doing that at the moment but then again that could be because of what is um, available to him. So let's talk about that. Um, international breaks coming up at the worst possible time, um, and you know the, the fixtures are not kind after that. But it's deadline day today. If you're listening to it um, on Monday, the fifth of October, you're listening to us talking whilst these transfers are apparently happening. Two of them definitely look like they're about to happen. Paul um, Edinson Cavani, um, free agent from. Um, having spent a few years at, at Paris, um, I was a little bit unsure on him because he's in his thirties now, and there's some talk about his attitude. But I talked to a couple of uh, a few former United players who played against him, and they've said that he's got the quality. Um, they reassured me. Actually, I was like, "Oh, can you tell me something about this guy?" Because uh, I've seen him play a few times, but I'm, I've got that sort of, "Oh, is he going to be Falcao again? Is he going to be Sanchez again?" But they, you know, they've said no. He's um, he's, he's quality. He should he'll, he'll raise that standard a little bit. Um, and at least, at least, even if it is going to be a lot of money, at least it's a, a one or two year deal, Paul. Um, and we need someone there, and it's a definite upgrade on Igalo. Um Am I being too positive about it? Do you think it's a good signing? Um, I think you have to you have to add something, don't we? Yeah. <clears throat> in, the, in the sense of, in the sense of um, something positive, but I, I like. I mean, what I've seen of him of late, yes, he's, he's an athlete without a doubt. He's got a great stature. Mm. He can score with his head. Definitely about that, and he 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 wants to. He's content to play in the middle. Yeah, he doesn't want to come 
off wide and step inside. He's willing to go through the middle. He'll move about, but he's content to go through the middle. United haven't got that. They haven't got anybody to do that. Just the presence of someone able to do that would make some kind of difference. Is he going to suddenly make Martial, who suddenly, in my opinion, thought, oh, he's, made, he's all right now, he's going to play regularly. Is he... Is he you know, is that gonna? Is he now gonna start realizing that? Oh, I mean, it's getting to a point now where I've really got to pull my finger out and do something, react, or is he think, oh well, shrug my shoulders, I'll get a move, you know? And that, and that's that's the bit we don't know, but I, I see that as a positive in a way because of what he's gone and achieved. It will make other players to get someone like him. Yeah, Man United have been let down over recent seasons when these caliber of players have come in that hasn't hasn't materialized. At some point, it's going to happen, and hopefully, it happens. You know, it happens this time around, really. Mm. Yeah, he's um, you know, he's a, he's definitely got the sort of stature. He's he's really fit as well, apparently. So, um, he's, he's going to add something, some pedigree in there that we don't have. Um, the other one is um, Teles of Porto. Um, I haven't seen that much of him, Paul, but at least not enough to say whether or not he's going to be either a Heinzer or an Evero. Um, but I would say, from what I have seen, his level of comfort on the ball and his crossing, whilst not necessarily exceptional, it's <laughs> going to sound really bad, but it's going to feel like, just because he's a capable left-back, it's going to feel like the Bruno effect at left back that's where we are and I, and I say that it's more of a damning thing on, on Luke Shaw really it's someone who's basically competent at left back it's going to feel like it's a significant upgrade um, have you seen enough of him to, to sort of say he's going to be a runaway success I mean it looks like I mean it's a, a no-brainer in terms of we need to sign a player there but um, whether or not he's going to be brilliant is, a, is another matter isn't it yeah, I've, I don't really know enough about him to comment too far. Look, if, if there's a way, I mean, we, we have to say that he's going to attack. I, I like to think that there's more to his game, you know, than worrying about somebody can cross the ball. My always first concern is he is he willing to defend? Is he quick enough to get back? And has he got a good position, um, positional sense? Because he's going to need it. He's going to need it badly if he's going to play next to Harry Maguire. Mm. That's, that's the problem. So how much work is he going to have to do? Then we might find out and see where the actual problem lies. But yes, it's a problem. But Wayne, I think you know yourself, United need more than two players. Well, As we saw, it's, it's more, than, more than two players needed. I'll just look at it. I think they need to go and speak to um, Red Bull. They need to go and get the centre-half. Yeah. They yeah. really do need... He's a left-sided centre-half. He's a proper left-sided centre-half. He can defend, and when he wins the ball, he, he just gives it easy. And that's what I call a great passer. I don't want to hear about Harry Maguire's good with the ball. I want to hear about someone who knows they win it and they give it. To the player who they believe can go and win them a game of football, not someone who wants to dribble around, like something like you see from a Keystone Cop film. Yeah. It's absolutely embarrassing. It's a scene like from watching Benny Hill when he was chasing around when he gets on the ball. That doesn't look comfortable and people have filled his head up and he's, he's believed it, Harry Maguire. So they need a centre-half who wants to defend, who can defend and who knows how to pass a ball correctly and that means giving it to the nearest person in a good area of the park. Yeah, at least one defender, at least one centre half. I mean, yeah. in addition to the left back, at least one centre half. I, if in an ideal world, I'd be saying get the two centre halves, concentrate on getting the two centre halves. Sorry, sorry, Wayne. Let me just stop you there. I've just flipped my TV over to watch to watch um, this program on TV, 
and I'm seeing they've got, they've got a graphic up showing, this tells you about the power and the strength of what Manchester United is to this country. They've got something up there showing where will Manchester United finish in the Premier League. They're like one to four, eight to so-and-so. It's unbelievable how everyone, and you know, everyone's forgotten that Liverpool, you know, got beat seven. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely, I could not believe it. And they've got Stephen Warnock analysing it. Yeah. It's Stephen yeah. Warnock yeah. analysing it. <laughs> um, unbelievable. Um, the other player, the, the big, obviously, there's talk about Jaden Sancho, will it, won't it? It doesn't look like it's going to happen. Dortmund haven't budged. Um, the backup option to that is apparently Dembele of Barcelona. Um, he played five league games last season with uh, some, I think, two really bad hamstring injuries. Um, he played 29 the, the year before, but the point is he's injury prone. He's taking a gamble on on this kind of player. He's obviously, you know, he's one of those that when he's fit, he's a really good crosser of the ball. He's rapid, um, but. With those hamstrings, you know, it's it's a bit of a concern. Paul, is it is, you know, yes, Dan James is struggling there. Um, Mason Greenwood needs someone to take the pressure off him. Does that make Dembele worth the gamble on a loan, or or is it something that you're thinking I'd steer clear of that one? I think we, I don't know. I think you have to might have to get maybe someone's gone out and done all the homework and find out to find out how seriously injured. He really is. Is it, is it all injury or is it just the fact of they're not letting him in anymore? They just had enough of him, his attitude and No, no, he's um, the, the. I think it was the start of the season that um, he had one. Um, I think it was the first game of the season that he had a hamstring. He was out for a few weeks and then just before the pandemic, he, um, he had, had a proper tear of it. You know, the hamstring completely went. So, um, and now he's back. You know, he's played already this season. So he's he's sort of in the squad. But you know, Barcelona like they needing to raise money, and um, yeah, I don't know. He's to me, I look at the options there, and I think that even if he only plays a handful of games, maybe it's worth having the option there to sort of take the pressure off Greenwood for a little bit, even if he only plays a few games. Yeah, I think he does need that pressure taken off of him and. I like I like them I like them Belly. Yeah. When you saw him play, he was good. So the the actual fact of him being somewhere different without the maybe the pressures around him he brought upon himself at Barcelona will do him a bit good. And you might find that his hamstrings are not that bad because a lot of it could be the fact of the stress that goes with it. Yeah. yeah. Just a change of scenery could help him. And yes, he is coming to Manchester United, you know, as well, which is pressure, but. I think you just look at what's going on at Barcelona and everything. He might just might not just need that around him. So I look at that as a as a step forward. Just by when I've seen him play at his peak, he's a very very good player yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. So yes, they on a mental side of things, they United need something. They need something. I think the players need it as well. The players need need that belief themselves. And if they go out in the next game without. Giving, getting that and giving those players something to look forward to, there could be a big, big problem. Because I would, I'll be sitting there. I mean, the fans are sitting there. They don't want to see that back four like that again. They don't want to see that back four. Yeah, no, you, you, they, yeah, absolutely. They don't want to see that midfield. They want to see something different in that front line because they know you can't rely on that front three. When it works, it works. It's great. 
but one in six, one in seven games, it's not enough. It's not enough. You you need you need more now. Every you know you know that you're virtually going to play, but every time they're walking on, there's pressures on them, and they 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 can't do it. Like there's pressure on Bruno to produce because you're not sure what the front three are going to give. And I saw a few times he got the ball, Bruno, and he kept giving it out wide, and yet Greenwood was inside. Yeah. And he did it on two or three occasions. So you're kind of going, wow, yeah, there's, there's a method here. There's something, reason why he's doing that. And he's asking the question, why aren't you out wide? I want you wide. Don't keep coming inside all the time and bringing more bodies in there. He wants gaps to put the ball into. And that's the problem. Mason Greenwood wants to run inside. You, you, don't put, you never see a ball put on the inside of a fullback for him to run onto. Off, off the blind side of defender because he, he steps inside all the time so great having all these players who want to play on the right side but predominantly left footed but sometimes they narrow a game yeah yeah, no. Na- totally narrow it yeah but um, then you might want Wan Pasaka if you're doing that you want if Greenwood's going to step inside Wan Pasaka has to get up on has to fill that area has to be a threat to drag people out it's a threat game drag them out so all of a sudden they're, they're stuck in two minds and that's when you get the eye of the needle pass from a Bruno Fernandes that might win your game of football yeah absolutely and so you know we might end up with Cavani Tellers maybe even Dembele and still still if we don't get a centre back at least one um, Paul, you know I don't like to predict, um, but I will end the podcast with this. I think if we don't get another centre off, at least one, you'll get at least a handful more of the poor shows that we saw yesterday. Maybe not six goals conceded, but similarly bad defensive performances. And I would put my neck on the line and said that if that's the case, if we don't get a centre back today, I don't think Collie sees the end of the season. That's my. Um, that's my take on it um, it's difficult to see if, if the, it doesn't matter who they sign the, the, what was the quote that you said earlier you'd seen someone say on it's basically you can buy all the, the sort of trappings for the window to make it look nice can't you really but if you don't have the substance if it's not there at the back then United are just doomed to the same cycles aren't they really so it's yeah, 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 a little yeah. bit, bit of a concern, but you know we'll be back next week to discuss who we do and don't sign, and it'll be at least interesting to talk about the facts rather than the rumor. Um, yeah, that's it for this week. Thanks for sticking with us, guys. I know it was a, probably a tough listen, um, but we've we've gone through it, and I think you know we've tried to be productive with that, not just necessarily slated the players, talked about what they can and can't bring. Um, not much for for many of them but you know when on yesterday's evidence what can you say you know it is what it is um um yeah that's it for this week guys remember totd 10 for a 10 percent discount with classic football shirts if you enjoyed the show give us a rating and review on apple podcasts um yeah we'll be back soon back next week to talk about um the signings and preview what's to follow the talksport fan network is proudly teaming up with free for mental health awareness week this year We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. 
Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.